On this Trinity Sunday, our second scripture passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Hear God's word for us today. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. A couple weeks ago on Confirmation Sunday, I preached on the importance of being Christ's witnesses. And so here, as Christ gives the Great Commission, it would seem natural to pick up right where I left off encouraging you to look for opportunities to proclaim the good news in word and in deed, and I truly hope that you will. But today's sermon isn't about putting yourself in the role of those 11 apostles. We'll save that for another sermon. Today, I want you to put yourself in the position of someone who is on the receiving end of the commissioning, not the one doing the baptizing, the one being baptized, not sharing the good news of the gospel, receiving it, not the speaker, but the listener. One of the most influential people in my life is a coach by the name of Charlie Sands. And from the time I was 12 years old to the time I was 30, except for one year when I was backpacking around New Zealand and Australia, I went to this basketball school, Snow Valley Basketball School in Montecito, California. And I was there as a player, I was there as a counselor, I was there as a coach. And every year, Coach Sands would say to these hundreds of kids that were sprawled out along the floor in the mornings as they're doing their stretches and getting ready for another day of camp, he would say these, these words, he would say, you need to give permission to your coaches to coach you. You need to give permission to your parents to parent you. You need to give permission to your teachers to teach you. His message is you could have the greatest teacher in the state, but if you're not willing to be taught, it doesn't matter. You can have the best coach around, but if you're not coachable, then you're wasting their time and yours. You could have the best doctor, the best therapist, the best athletic trainer, but if you're not willing to follow their recommendations, you are not going to receive the benefits that the treatment that they've prescribed will give you. And so at a very young age, Coach Sands was teaching us that our mindset matters whether it is opened or whether it is closed, makes all the difference in the world. Now, recently, I've been preaching about the importance of the witness of others, how it can impact and influence our faith and our life. And so I want you to think about this question. Who's trying to teach you? Who is trying to disciple you? 
who is trying to instruct you and in how to live as a faithful Christian? And are you open to listening to their insights? Are you willing to be able to sometimes change your mind when you get new information? That's what we call being a lifelong learner. One of the attributes of being a lifelong learner is the ability to be a great listener. They're able to really hear and discern and understand and appreciate what is being said. And when I think back to my time at Snow Valley Basketball School, not only am I grateful for Coach Sands, but I'm also grateful for its founder. His name is Herb Livesey. And I remember it was probably 15 years ago that I was having dinner with him and his wife. And so that puts Coach Livesey at about in his late 60s. And he was sharing with me how he and his wife continue to listen to new music. They continue to read new authors. They continue to listen to what younger generations are saying and valuing what they say. And so there's a reason why Coach Lizzie continues to work and succeed as an NBA scout for the Denver Nuggets. So you know who I'm rooting for in the NBA Finals. He's in his early to mid-80s. And yet he continues to be successful because he's able to continue to receive new information. It informs his life. He's able to adapt, to try new things. He's continuing to grow every year, and he's a great example of someone who's a lifelong learner. On this Trinity Sunday, where we try to comprehend what is impossible for us to comprehend, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the, the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer, I knew I was going to have a hard time at the children's sermon, but it's hard no matter what. But I want us to come back and focus on not understanding how it all works, but how do they interact with one another? I don't understand how the Trinity works, but I sure do admire how they respect one another, how they're not in competition with one another, how they're not seeking power or acclaim they work together. They remain united as one. They are in communion with one another. And as I shared, they are constantly acknowledging one another. It starts with Jesus throughout his life, constantly pointing to, acknowledging, praising his heavenly father. But it doesn't end there. In the Gospel of John, in his last moments with his disciples, he is teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit the advocate, the teacher, the spirit of truth. And then God the Father comes down two different times, acknowledges the Son. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the Holy Spirit, that's one of her main responsibilities. It's what she loves to do. Constantly pointing people to Jesus Christ. To help us better understand who God is. Where God is. What God's up to. And so there's this beautiful reciprocal relationship going on with the different parts of the Trinity. 
where they interact with one another, they engage with one another, they respect one another, they listen to one another, they learn from one another. What a wonderful example of how we are called to be. This week I changed my sermon title from The Art of Listening, which had a nice ring to it, to The Skill of Listening. Because I get the sense that there are some people that are naturally a little bit more artistic than others. Listening is not an art. Listening is a skill. You're not born a good listener. You become one. Everyone can become a good listener if they would like to, if they commit to it. Do you want to thrive personally? Do you want to thrive professionally? Do you want this church to be healthy and to thrive? And if so, we need to all commit to becoming better listeners. And so there's a couple of different ways that we do that. The first is to learn to suspend judgment, to become truly interested and engaged in what the other person is saying. This passage shows us, it says the disciples worshiped Jesus when they saw him, but some doubted. Now Jesus could have thought, after all this time that I've had with you, and still you doubt, still you don't get it. He could have judged them right there, but he didn't. And it reminds me of a couple weeks ago, listening to the beautiful statements of faith. In when Eliza was able to come right here and be vulnerable enough to say, there are times when I have doubts. There are times when I get discouraged. There are times when I lose hope. That's not a sign of a lack of faith. That's a sign of a faith that is growing, that is changing, that is maturing. And I found that to be inspiring. Jesus didn't judge his disciples, even though they had their doubts, and we should learn from that. So when we listen to others, it is important for us to set judgments aside and to be receptive to what we can learn from them. Another way is to try to put yourself in their shoes. Being an empathetic listener is an important aspect of this. To work to understand where is this other person coming from? What have they gone through? What is their expertise and their experience? Now, you may not agree with what they're saying, but you respect it. And that's another key. I imagine that doctors must be, of all the professions, they must hate the internet more than anybody else. <laughs> Think about it. They go to school more than any other profession. They accumulate more debt than probably any other profession. And yet every week, somebody comes into their office with a particular malady, and they say, well, WebMD says I have this. Google says I have this. There's gotta be doctors just scratching their heads. We can do research online as much as we want. Truth is, we're not doctors. And so we're called to trust our doctors. 
and to respect and appreciate the amount of time that they have spent learning to correctly detect and diagnose and treat the health issues that we have. And so let's expand on this a little bit further. If you are struggling with a particular person, I would encourage you to try to make every effort to try to see, th see things through their eyes, to try to feel what they are feeling, to try to recognize and respect what they have experienced, what they have gone through. Becoming a better listener makes every single one of our lives better. We become better students, we become better at our jobs, we become better parents, we become better friends, we become better pastors and members of this congregation and leaders of this congregation. And so now let's put ourselves back in the mindset or imagine back in Jesus's time. Imagine those 11 apostles are now doing what Christ commanded them to do. They're sharing this amazing story about God coming to earth in human form. And this person is named Jesus and he lives and he teaches and he heals and he loves and respects every single person that he meets. And then he comes to a point in his life where he lays his life down. He dies on a cross. He's buried. And then he gets raised back to life on the third day. Some people probably wouldn't have believed it. Others would have probably thought those apostles were crazy. So others just weren't willing to listen to something new. And yet there were still others who are open to what these apostles were sharing. And they listened and they learned and their life changed forever. We're challenged this morning to not be the ones doing the speaking or the preaching or the teaching, but to switch roles. Not to speak, but to listen. Not to judge, but to be empathetic. Not to have our minds made up, our heels dug in, we need to be the ones who are willing to adapt and adjust and learn and grow. And hear more good news. We don't do this alone. Here are the final words that Christ gives us. He's saying Christ is always with us, everywhere, all the time, working with us and through us to become the best kind of people and the best church that we can possibly become. His final words should bring us comfort and strength and courage. And remember, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. Every Sunday we are called to be Christ-like. This Sunday, on Trinity Sunday, we're called to be Trinity-like. Making a commitment to be better listeners, to value and appreciate and respect those around us to learn from one another so that everyone benefits, everyone flourishes, just like the Holy Trinity. Amen. Now's a time where any prayer requests that you may have.
that you bring that as the ushers come around and collect that through the prayer request cards.